and talk to to you about the about the hope that we have in Christ. That without it, the events that have happened in the last few weeks, last few months, last few years, that sometimes may bring about a false hope. And because of that, we can begin to rest on our laurels. And unfortunately, it makes Christians become passive. And as I was talking with Tom this morning, uh, we were talking about some things that probably the conservative right puts on media and and uh, we were laughing about some of the things that that are out there. And I said, you know, once again, this could be our greatest hour. This could be a time where the time that we need hope is now. The time that our God is able to perform His greatest feats through us is now. We have the message of hope. And so, who do we trust in? Do we trust in a government? Do we trust in who's in power? Do we trust in... Can you imagine China right now has the biggest living church in the world. It's underground. They meet secretly, but they're active. They're out there recruiting more people to the gospel of Christ than anywhere else in the world. And they're under a communist regime. Why is that? I think it's because they are so oppressed. And they know that their people need a hope. That once they're underground, they are able to worship freely. They're able to give God glory. They're able to do as their heart expresses them to feel, but when they go above ground, they once again feel what? Their body being oppressed, but their spirit is still free. Know this. If our totality of our body and our soul and our spirit is oppressed, we need to be looking toward the Word of God for our relief and our hope 
which is in God. We have a message, and our message is the Lord. And no matter what it is, where we're going, and what God, Jesus, has paid a price for that. In that payment of that price, the reason I have this up here is because when he was talking to the people of Israel, to the people, the Hebrew people, they had a definition, they had a, a, a way of thinking. And it was all centered around from the time of Moses. And because of their race, because of what had come down through the of hundreds of years, they knew that they had to follow a certain way. Well, what was that way? Well, Paul comes, and I believe Paul wrote Hebrews, Paul comes and he says that the hope of Christ goes behind the veil. We're going to look at some of that. But first, just a little bit of a, a recap. That hope means trust. How do we trust God? Well, it's we put and we lean not unto our own understanding or unto our own way of thinking, unto what we see physically. We lean unto the understanding of what God says. I may see with my eyes the physical things that are going on, but what I do, I lean upon what God says. And sometimes that's a challenge. It's a real challenge. Because when I'm sick, I may feel all of the conditions of that illness. But what does the Word say? I am healed by His stripes. Well, how can I be healed, past tense, if... I feel like I'm sick. Well, he says, I, you are healed by the stripes that I took on the cross. And so therefore, I stand on the promises of God. And that's going to take some fighting. It's going to take some... some uh, Standing, it's going to take some stubbornness on your part of not giving in to your body or to your soulish emotions and truly standing on the Spirit of the Lord. And it's going to take... It's going to take your spirit living according to the Spirit of God. So, there's a certainty 
of God's promises. You might have to open the book. You might have to get into his promises. You might have to memorize a verse or two. You might have to get into what does God say instead of what do I say. How do we get hope? It's through faith. And where does faith come from? Faith comes what? By hearing the word. And hearing by the word of God. Always, if, if you never get anything after you leave these doors, know where to get water. Know where to get water. Know where you get, the, get, get a drink. Know if you're thirsty, get water from the Lord. Know where to get the faith that it takes to get more of God. Get the faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Everybody got a Bible? All right. I mean, I don't, I, don't, I don't care if you have it here or not. I do care, but, you know. <laughs> but you own one. That's what I want. Do you own one? Please own one. If not, Jimmy will buy you one. He will. He really will. I'm not, I'm not joking. I know it's hard. But how do we get hope? We get it through faith. We believe that our hope is in Christ. It is in believing God that He will do what He says He will do. Don't, don't we? Don't we believe God? Why are you here? Well, I believe God. There is no more encouragement than when I see people show up to church because you believe God. I mean, you're not here to check out what other people are wearing. I've been to churches like that. You're going, oh, did you see Miss So-and-so? I can't believe she wore that. No. You're here because you're giving your life unto God. This is part of that. I'm giving my life unto God. Hebrews 11. Now faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. How does that work? How do we have evidence of things not seen? How, how, can I, how can I show you? In my hand is a ball. How do I do that? How do I show you evidence of something that's not there? Well, I, I have faith that it is. I mean, there is a, a pastor in China, and his name was, uh, I believe his name was Cho. Anyway, his name's not important to the story. But he told his elders, he says, I, uh, there's a scripture in Romans that says, call those things that are not as though they are. He got that in prayer. Call those things that are not as though they are. And he says, Lord, I need a bite. And that scripture popped up in his spirit. 
And he said, okay, I'm going to get a bike. I need a bike. And so he told his elders, he says, I want to let you know I got a bike. And the elders were so excited. I, I got a bike. And so they came to his house that afternoon and they said, We're so excited for you. Show us the bike. Well, I don't, I don't have it. But you said you had the bike. He said, No. He says, I was in prayer. And the Lord told me, call those things that are not as though they are. And so I told you I had a bike. And the elder said, okay. We're not not saying you're lying. But we'll just believe with you that you're going to get this bike. That evening, someone came and gave him a bike. And then he went the next day and he told the elders, look what our our faith did. God gave us a bike. He believed on the word that God gave him and God was faithful. Now, he had a belief in the word of God. And so therefore, I'm telling you this. There is a place where you can believe in God. There are people, uh, I was talking to uh, a senior, and they were going, I'm really scared. I'm about to go to college. So what are you scared about? I'm about to be on my own. I said, well... Why do you think you're about to be on your own? Because I am. I said, I want to tell you this. It's a lie. And she looked at me and she said, how can that be a lie? I am leaving home and I'm going to be there by myself. I said, you are going to be there by yourself. But you're not going to be there by yourself the way you think you are. She says, I don't understand. I said, you will have many people supporting you, guiding you. Everyone is just a phone call away. If you need somebody, I guarantee you they'll drive to your side in an instant. Why? Because they love you. And you are not by yourself. And you got God. You got God. He's there. He'll be with you. How do we get hope? We have faith. Satan will try to lie to you so that you don't have hope. Oh my gosh. Biden's president. World is going to hell in a handbasket. It's just not true. I'm saying the world's going to heaven because we're going to be working to get as many people to heaven as we can. 
That's our job. We need to be working harder, getting people out of the mindset that our government's going to save us. It's not. And we shouldn't have had that mindset in the first place. We need to know that our God is able. Look, if China can have the biggest church in the world, I don't like being second place. Do you? Do you? I don't. Let's, let's go for number one. I don't, I don't know what's with Second Baptist Church in Houston. <laughs> Why are they Second Baptist Church? That's just a joke. That's just a joke. Okay. How do we get hope? Well, we get hope by having faith in God. Well, I went over that a little bit last week, but what does hope produce? And this is what I wanted to get to this week. Understand that you know the things that operate and you know that when you operate those things, it brings you an advantage. You know the difference between a bicycle and a car. You know you're going to get to Odessa faster if you take a car instead of a bike. You know you're going to get to Odessa faster if you drive a car than you do if if you were to walk. So, therefore, come on in. We got plenty seats available. So, awesome. So, in these things, uh, it says that Francisco, right? Hey, good to see you, man. Um, hope produces things in us when we have hope. Know that the hope of God will produce things within us. So does the lack of hope. If any of you have known someone who has committed suicide, I have too many. If you know one, it's way too many. But people who have committed suicide are people who don't think life could get better. They've already given up. They said, oh my gosh, what, what, what can I do now? They think that this is better than that. I might as well end it all. And so, but hope says there is a better future. So a hope in God is that God will restore my life. What is the restoration? What will that look like? Well, I'm going to show you here in a minute, but it will bring joy. It will bring happiness. It will bring truth. Now, how is that true with everything that the disciples experienced. Well, the, our life in God is adventurous. It's not mundane. It's not something to, oh, I wake up today and going to do the same old thing. No. Our life in God 
is he leads us by his spirit. Led by the spirit of God. It'd be different every day. Our life in God. Now, Hebrews six nineteen. Uh, yeah, six nineteen and twenty. Which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enter into that within the veil. Whether the forerunner is with us entered, even Jesus made a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Jesus entered the Holy of Holies as the ultimate high priest for us because he was the ultimate sacrifice for our sin. Okay, here's, here's where the illustrations come from. Now, when Jesus died on the cross, he became a high priest for us. And he entered into the Holy of Holies. Understand that there had to be a sacrifice every year. Every year. They took a, a, a goat, a sheep, they, they took a, a bull, but it had to be a perfect one. And they had to slaughter that, and it rolled your sin back for, what, a year. Same thing had to happen the next year, and they rolled it back for another year. The only sacrifice that was perfect enough, was Jesus. Okay? And so he went behind the veil. Can you put up the illustration of the temple of Moses? Okay. Now, this was Moses' tabernacle. This is where they went. You see the gate over there? That was the gate that they, they came in, that, that the priests came in. And then they went to the brazen altar. It, this was the outer court, as you see it. And then there was the labor. It was where they had the, the water. They washed their hands. All of these had significance. All of these also pointed to Jesus. Jesus hadn't come yet, but they were all talking of Jesus. Now, in the little smaller square, there was a table of showbread. Only the priest could go in there. And then there was the holy, this was the, called the holy place. There was the golden uh, candlestick. And then there was an altar of incense. Okay? Now, they would go in there and they would make certain uh, uh, rituals and they would do certain things. The priest could, could do that. Now, See that veil? It was huge. And it was of one, it was woven and it was just one solid material. And it was thick, really thick. And, uh, and so only the priest who had cleansed himself could enter in that. 
That was the priest who, when he went in there, had to have the bell around his thing. So if he stopped ringing, they could drag him out because he died while he was in there. No one could peek in there. In there was, what, the Ark of the Covenant. And so inside the Ark of the Covenant was the, the book of law, the five, first five books of the Old Testament. And so uh, they would minister to the Lord in there. There's where the Lord resided, inside there. Now, when Jesus died, that veil split in two. It was not humanly possible for someone to rip that thing. And it wasn't ripped from bottom. This thing was huge. I mean, it wasn't something somebody couldn't have got from the bottom up, but it was ripped from top to bottom. And so what it's saying in Hebrews is that this veil was ripped. of the Old Testament, and Jesus was revealed for us in the New Testament. This is us. This is ours. This. I, I, I can't make it any more plain than this. Jesus was resurrected. Jesus is behind the veil. We no longer have to be a part of Moses' tabernacle because who is the Ark of the Covenant? Covenant means agreement. Covenant, covenant means uh, it, it's a lawyer term in which the blood of Jesus has written the, said, I have paid the price. And so they no longer have to pay the price. I have done it already. I've done it. And and they don't. And so therefore, this was revealed when when he is behind the veil. This is the hope that he talks about that we have. In Christ. That was done every year. Can you imagine if you live a long way from Jerusalem? Oh, God, I've got to make another track. It wasn't packing up your Volkswagen and going. It was, oh, let's take the family. Let's take the goat. Let's take. We just rely on the sacrifice of Christ. So, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. But what does his hope bring us? Well, in Hebrews 6.19, 
which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil. It brings us stability. It brings us that we, we, we stand on the anchor. We don't go to and fro. We, we stand on that. And it brings us stability to our lives. Romans 15, 13. Hope brings us joy and peace. Now, the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. I want you to know that you should not live a nominal life. You shouldn't live a life where you just walk and you don't have this position in, in life in, in, uh, where you go to school or you go to work and you're just going, hey, I'm just going to do my job or I'm going to do my work or I'm going to do whatever without power. Because you do have power. You have the power for life and life abundant. And especially for the cause of Christ. For the cause that Jesus has to work in you. To do his bidding. To do what he wants. To have joy and peace. Now, First Peter. First Peter is a. If you just take some time, First Peter is not a, a very long book. I think there's just four chapters in it, five, five chapters. Um, but take some time and just read that. And I want you to understand. Peter was writing to Christians who were during the time of Nero. If you know anything about Nero and in history, Nero was a wicked, wicked man. And he would take Christians and use them as sport in the Colosseum, in the Roman Colosseum. And he would take Christians and put them in the middle of the Colosseum and just let lions and bears loose, and they would eat them alive. And and they would, you know, he was the 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 one that would do the or make, let them live or die. He would do that uh, because they would have night games, what they would call night games. Uh, he would take Christians, dip them in hot oil and impale them and then use them as light torches around the Colosseum so that they could light the Colosseum while the lions ate the other Christians. So, you know, this was, this was tough times. It, it wasn't a good time to be a Christian, you know, or was it? I want to ask you that. You know, oh, Biden's in office. Really? 
Nero's in office. Do we follow to the point of shedding blood? You know, God chose us for such a time as this. Understand this. This is this this is an illustration. You could have been born three or four years ago. In that time that you could have been born earlier or later, there could have been another track star that was faster than you, and therefore you may not be state champ. But you were born during this time in which God has shown you favor and therefore, guess what? Who gets the medal? You. You know? So therefore, God has shown you favor. Understand We have been born for such a time as this. God has given us an opportunity to give hope to the world. And it doesn't matter what the world is doing at all. At all. Because guess what? The power is not within me, but within God. He is our source. He is the one we plug into. So, I'm going to read to you. It's it's, it's a a lengthy uh, read here, but I want to read it to you. 1 Peter Chapter 1, verses 3 through 12. Now, when you read this, when, while we're reading this, keep in context what's going on in Colosseums. And he's writing this letter to Christians who are experiencing those things. So, keep in context. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy... you think they're thinking mercy? Abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now, He just told them, look, I know you guys are going through all this stuff, but He says, you have a lively hope of God's mercy in your life Because of what? Of what you're going to experience in what Jesus did for you in your resurrection. To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fades not away, reserved in heaven for you. He doesn't say, all this stuff is going to go away, Nero's going to die, and you're going to live this happy, prosperous life. That's not what he says. He says, reserved in heaven for you. 
who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness, in heaviness through manifold temptations. What do you think their temptations are? I want you to really register that. What are their temptations? That the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen ye love, in whom through now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls, of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you. And he's saying, these prophets, they... They yearned for this, and they didn't get to see it, but you're going to get to see it. Searching what? Or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ, which was in them, did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow? Unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves, but unto us they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look unto. Even the angels desired what you're going to get, but they don't get it. You get it. They were called to be holy even in the midst of torture. People never in this word of God does it call us to do anything against the word of God. It calls us to a place of holiness. It calls us to a place where we represent his nature and his character. Wherefore, gird up, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust of your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy to be ye holy in all manner of conversation because it is written, Be ye holy, for 
not heavy on your spirit. It needs to be. Understand the underlying condition that was going on in 1 Peter. And understand what he's telling them that they need to be. And understand what he's telling us that we need to be. Do we fall into temptations as people in First Peter? Or do we follow what the Word of God says? To be holy. Even in the midst of things we don't agree with. And all manner of conversation. Be holy. This, God has told us we have a hope because it gives us a safe place. It's a quieting of our, of our soul. In Psalm 55, 22, it says, Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. He shall, he shall never... Suffer the righteous to be moved. We can't be moved by the exterior when we have an internal anchor of our soul. Can we not? Can we not be anchored by hope? The hope of Jesus Christ, the hope of of His eternal glory, the hope of what He has the power to do within us. I think, I was telling Tom this morning, I said, I have to repent. I have to repent all the time because I want to do so many things in my own flesh. I can't rest in God. I I find myself Uh, uh, I got a, a text this week. And in that text, it says, I had a dream about you. A prophetic dream. And they said, the Lord came to them and I was in a metal building. And in that metal building, uh, they said to me, this elderly man, a small man came up to me and said, it is enough. And she says, I don't know what that means, but they said you would know what that meant. And I said, I do know what that means. It means every day I get up and I ask, am I doing enough? And I'm grateful for the answer. But I'm shamed by the answer. Because the shame comes in, I can't rest in God. I'm still trying to do so many things by the flesh. I'm still trying to to say, I'm like a little kid. 
Can I have the popsicle? Can I have the popsicle? Dad, Dad, can I have the popsicle? Can I have the po- can I have the popsicle? Shut up. <laughs> Sit down. You're gonna get it. Am I doing enough? It's enough. Why can't you rest in me? Why can't you rest in me? Because I don't trust you. Because I don't have enough hope in you. Who's preaching to who here? You may think, oh, Arthur's on a rampage. Well, I am. I am. I'm trying to get out of my own way. Be able to say, rest in God. Because I have a hope bigger than leaning on my own understanding. Well, if I did this, if I did that, if I, if, I, if, I, if, I, if I just did more, if I prayed more, if I prayed harder, if I just closed my eyes tighter, what else? What else could happen? I don't know. I know that I can't do it without God. John 15, 4 and 5, 26, 27. Hope. Hope says it will give you a heart of worship. Psalm 42, 5 says, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise Him for the help of thy countenance. For help of His countenance. Mm. Courage and strength of heart. Psalm thirty-one twenty-four. Be of good courage, and He shall strengthen your heart, all ye that hope. In the Lord. Psalm 119.114 Thou art my hiding place and my shield. I hope in thy word. Psalm 147.11 The Lord taketh pleasure in them that fear him. In those that hope in his mercy. I want to talk to you about this. and This may come off as a chide, but I hope it comes off as a, as a rejoicing. Proverbs 10, 28. The hope of the righteous shall be gladness. Now, what does that mean? Well, if you're not glad, what are you? Your hope is not in God. Your hope is somewhere else. Your hope is like, oh, not going to happen. I've read the end of the book. We win. 
We really do. It's all the in-between parts that we kind of worry about. Know this. God has a plan for your life. And it's a good plan. Take it from me. Not good at it. But take it from me. Rest in him. And he will lead you in the way. So, join me right now. Everybody bow your head. And if 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 you're doing the same thing I'm doing, then just repent with me. Father, I'm sorry. I'm just so sorry that I try, try, and try. And Father, I should be laboring to enter into your rest. I'm so sorry that that I want to do it all myself. Maybe somehow take credit. I don't know. I just know that I I wake up in the morning and I say, God, is this enough? And I somehow need either a pat on the back or I need an affirmation. Or, but Father, I know you love me. I really do. Father, let that be enough. God, I love these people. And Father, I know you love these people. And so, Father, just show us. Show us a place that you want us to go. Show us a place that you want us to live and love and bring forth your truth. And so, Father, I pray. Continue to pray. More people into your kingdom. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, when he meant, when he mentioned.